Welcome to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast by Scott L. Wyatt, President of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit www.suu.edu forward slash President's Podcast, where you will find both the audio and a written transcript for today's podcast. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast featuring Scott L. Wyatt, the president of Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. I'm your host, Steve Meredith, and I'm joined for this first podcast of 2021 by my friend and leader, Scott Wyatt. (laughs) President, how are you? Steve, it's terrific to be with you again. This is fun. Yeah, it's been fun since you and I last recorded a podcast. Uh, We've had an election. We've had the holidays. Uh, Today is actually Inauguration Day in the United States where, uh, fingers crossed, we will have a peaceful transfer of power from one group to the other and uh, uh, as America is noted around the world for doing. Um, And uh, so it's it's a a proud day to be an American in some ways. Yeah. And and I might add, if this is the beginning of a new semester, that... um it would be um, nice of me to acknowledge that you do most of the work. <laughs> <laughs> well, President, I don't. Uh, I, I, I show don't. up, and you've got all this technology set up and working, and and uh, help get things scheduled, and then uh, stay up late at night editing. So, well, um, mostly this wouldn't happen without you. So, uh, thanks, Steve. You're very kind. Thank you. Um, mostly, there are others that do the work um, of editing and. And that, but uh, yeah, we do have a whole crew. We do have a crew, and uh, <laughs> we're we're always happy for their help. So this is the kickoff for our upcoming spring twenty twenty one season, and uh, you and I kind of regularly chat about what we want to discuss next on the podcast, and it's it's always an interesting, um. It, it's always an interesting set of discussions because we bat things around a little bit. And sometimes we'll say, nah, we've already done that. Or sometimes we'll say, um, no, that we, let, let's save that for another time. But we came, we came pretty closely and pretty quickly, almost of a same mind that we did want to discuss the thing we're going to discuss this coming spring, which was... Um, taking a look at our competition. Um, uh, those who are trying to drive us out of business, I think is how I <laughs> phrased it. And, and you, because you're uh, a lawyer and smarter than I am, said, uh, let's call it uh, alternates, alternatives to traditional <laughs> higher education. That sounds less combative. And, um, and so that's what we're going to be talking about, alternatives to traditional higher education. And... Uh, what what made that interesting to you that the idea? Well, we've we've talked over the last while about innovation in higher education, what we are doing, what other universities are doing to try to improve the quality of the experience for students, to have better outcomes, to reinvent ourselves and all of those kinds of things. But we've never really drilled down on looking at all of the groups out there that are trying to replace us. Right. In one form or another. And, and um, 
I had a brief conversation with one of the individuals that we're going to interview during this semester. And I said to him, you know, you're kind of the competition for higher ed. And he says, well, I don't really see it that way. I, I don't think we're in competition with higher ed and we're just offering something else. Well, in my definition, that's competition. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you're, and, and, um, and that's, that that's Pepsi not a, would say that same thing about Coke, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just. <laughs> well, it's, um, it is true that not everyone should go to a college or a university. Not everyone should go to a technical school or anything else. There, there has to be a wide variety of options to meet the needs of a wide variety of people. Right. And, um, and so we, our, our, the very fact that we formed uh, the closest, um, most generous partnership with a non-credit granting technical college of anybody we know in the country suggests that we really are genuinely interested in helping what might be thought of as our competition. Yeah. Because our goal is to help students and serve the community. And, um, and we, want, we want people to get what's best for them. Even, I, even if it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, even if it's not best for the university in terms of collecting revenues or, um, or uh, headcount or those kinds of things. Yeah, it's, um, if, you, if you say that your, your mission is to help students, then you help students in the best way that you can, and it might be through someone else. Um, but, but what's fun about this topic is that we're, we're going to have a chance to explore um, all of the kinds of things that are happening out there that are different from the credit-granting institutions. That's different right. Different than what we're doing. Um, I was um, in, in anticipation of today and in anticipation of this uh, semester of podcasts. And, you know, we have a pretty good entrepreneurship program. We do. That's, yep. that's uh, super successful and growing. So we spent quite a bit of time talking about entrepreneurship and uh, how entrepreneurial are we or, or is our university. And I was looking for articles on competition and uh, read a bunch of articles that were written by entrepreneurs and what I found was, is that they all sort of have different opinions about this. Um, mm. Articles saying, the most important thing you can do is to study your competition. And then, and then I bump into another article that says, ignore your competition. You know, they don't exist. You should, um, on the one hand, you should study your competition to see what they're doing well, to make sure you know what's happening in the space, what the threats are for you and how you can... Um, be as good or better and all of these kinds of things. And then another article says, now nah, you should never look at your competition. You, um, it, it will drive you to being unsuccessful. You should look at non-competition success and failure. So if you're, if you're uh, whatever you're selling, if you, if you go to a completely different industry and study successful and failure, success and failures in, in another industry and then pull what you learn hmm. into yours. And um, all these writers are credible people. Um, and I guess we could all side one way or the other. Right. But, what's, but if we blend the two together, what, 
what we hope to do this semester is, on the one hand, look at what we could describe as threats to higher education. Right. Although that's a fairly negative way of describing it. What we really would say is, is, you know, what is it that others are providing for students that draws them away from us to another um, type of learning or credentialing? What can we learn from them? What are we not? What are we not doing for our students that somebody else is taking them away? And we want everybody to be successful. So, what do we? What can we learn from them and do better? That's on the one hand. On the right. other hand, um, because a lot of these groups are really in other, almost completely different kinds of worlds. Why are they being successful in their own right? And uh, just the same way that we would study why. Why is um, why is it any other business? Right. Being why successful? is Microsoft so why successful? Is Microsoft yeah. What can we learn from all these different groups? So I think that'll make it a very interesting semester for us. Yeah, I agree. So I think when sometimes when people hear us say uh, competition, they might think we're talking about Dixie State or UVU or. <laughs> uh, you know, the, our our sister institutions. And certainly there's friendly competition there uh, on the athletic fields and uh, um, even in the administrative offices, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we we all want to grow and, you know, there's, there's friendly competition there. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not, we're not talking about our traditional competition. We're talking, as you have suggested, about people who are doing things that that we are not doing. And when I say we, I mean sort of the royal we. Um, and so we in higher education, that royal we, uh, in, in my opinion, would do well to study our competition from the two perspectives that you just suggested, either just generally about success or specifically about what they're offering that we are not offering and why they're being so successful at offering it. So with that in mind, some of our guests this semester, uh, you you mentioned one. We're gonna we're gonna have Aaron Osmond on to talk about the Amazon Web Services Academy, the AWS Academy. Increasingly, companies are saying you don't necessarily need a college degree to do what we need you to do, and so let us let us train you, let us train you in the things that we need because. There's a shortage of workers, and we desperately, uh, we desperately need to have you uh, have these slots filled. And so we're going to offer these training things, and we're going to call them academies, and uh, and they're going to be more or less like traditional online programs now are at universities, but they are sponsored by companies. That's that's fairly common these days, and it's not necessarily a direct competition to us, except that we, we wonder, okay, so how could we partner with an organization like Amazon Web Services? And, and uh, full disclosure, we're in discussions with AWS, as are all the other universities in the state of Utah, to figure out how to bring the Amazon Academy into the university. In other words, 
how can the university help a particular um, employer have a ready stream of employees available? Now, for some people at the university, the idea of preparing people to work is not why they think we exist, right? They they, they right. think we exist for other reasons, but it's a it's a it's a big mixture. It is a big you, mixture because some of our programs, um, accounting, engineering, are Absolutely. clearly a vocational type uh, program, and then we have others. You know, like most of uh, our teaching degrees are vocational. There, yeah. we're you know, expectation is you'll get a job specifically in this industry at the end of the degree. Yeah, and then we have we have a variety of liberal arts degrees that. It, uh, aren't targeted to a specific career, even though they're a great preparation for a job. And some of the faculty in those areas would like to think that nobody's preparing for a job, that they're just coming for the love of learning and developing themselves. And so you, you, you get a, a wide variety of you do. opinions on a campus. Yeah, and and wide variety of opinions as to whether or not we should partner <laughs> with yeah. with industry, right, uh, on that. But but uh, the truth is that the market seems to be moving colleges and universities into these types of partnerships. Some are large. Um, you know, Google has its own university, and there are ways that that universities can partnership. Some are small. We're gonna we're going to um, talk with a a local learning organization called the Workflow Academy, it's based out of St. George. Their sole purpose is to create high-tech remote jobs for people in Southern Utah. So the creation of higher-paying jobs that can be done remotely using a certain set of software programs. And so it'll be interesting to talk, you know, Amazon is a very <laughs> big very big company with with the fingers in many 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 different areas. This is a fairly narrow, smaller company that is training on a fairly narrow range of software applications, and it'll be interesting, I think, to talk to the CEO of that smaller company and say, "Who are your students? Are there opportunities for us to help to assist? Because we're in favor of creating." high-paying jobs in southern Utah um, that, that can be done here locally. We, we love it when, um, when the university is a, an economic driver for the region, right? That's one of the things that we're, that we're charged with doing. And so anyway, that, that, that we'll, we'll be talking with companies large and small. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be talking with Purdue University and particularly Purdue Global, uh, in our world, that's a, that's an interesting discussion because Purdue Global is the um, is what happened after Purdue purchased the the Kaplan Corporation, the testing prep company that had existed for many years when when you were taking the LSAT and so forth, and and I was taking the GRE. There were Kaplan prep t- test uh, things that that uh, the company provided if you wanted to to pay for that actual uh, extra training before you took your test. And uh, Purdue purchased that organization. And we're going to talk to somebody from Purdue Global about how that has worked for them, how that 
it's not a public-private partnership because one engulfed the other, but but how they've been able to move that uh, organization into the public sphere, into into a public university. So I think that'll be um, that'll be an interesting discussion. You you have been particularly interested in wanting to talk about um, NOLS. Oh yeah, and and what does NOLS <laughs> stand for? Knowles. Yes, so they changed their name to Knowles. Oh. Knowles used to be NOLS, but now they've formally changed their name to Knowles. used to be the National Outdoor Leadership School based in Wyoming, Lander. And uh, they do something completely different than what we do. And so hopefully we can talk to somebody there. But they, um, they take students all around the world and teach them in outdoor settings, no classrooms. They also teach a lot of emergency medicine and oh. there's a variety of things they do. But, but there are so many of these interesting um, organizations that have been around for a long time right. or are emerging. And um, as we talk with, um, I don't know exactly how many, but a dozen yeah. of these different organizations this semester, hopefully we'll gain a tremendous amount of knowledge about what's happening in the world around us. So you might say, in a way, if we're an ostrich, we're pulling our head out of the sand and taking a look around. That's right. <laughs> you know, one of the, um, the, one of the other the, the sets of organizations that really, that really are sort of a direct um, threat, if that's the right word to us, are are the inexpensive non-credit um, online training organizations, Udacity or Udemy, or um, uh, we we have one here locally called Pluralsight. That's that's actually quite a large company now. Uh, they're based up in Layton, Utah, I think, um, and and these are organizations that look at. Um, Either the needs of industry, in the case of Pluralside, and they provide training specific to a certain industry, or how would, what would you like to do? In other words, little learning modules like Udemy, you know, would you like to learn uh, Pro Tools? Uh, would you like to learn how to make your own record? Um, and they, they have these online courses that are a certain number of not credit hours, of course, but but just seat time, and you pay $15 to learn how to do a certain thing. And it ranges from woodworking to darning socks to create, I mean, literally uh, just almost anything. You can find someone who has put together a course for that. The more that people are able to um, sectionalize learning into the ways that they want it. I, at present, I always hearken back to the music industry because that's my training. So please forgive me for going back there one more time. But but uh, as a young man, um, as young men, you and I had to purchase a record or a tape or CD that the... I didn't purchase any CDs as a young man. You didn't? No, that was when I was older. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we were in our mid twenties by the time that happened. Uh, yeah, I was giving us the benefit of the doubt. But anyway, the uh, <clears throat> the record company decided what we should listen to. Right? They they decided how to how to gather the learning. 
right? They they put the 18 songs on there, the 12 songs on there. And there might have been only the two that we were interested in, but you had to buy 14 more of them because you had to. Steve Jobs and iTunes and Napster and the ability to easily file share destroyed that industry, destroyed that model of that industry. And now people, when they pay for music at all, they pay for um, exactly what they want, and that's it. And they're able to carry it around with them and own it forever. At least ostensibly, it never wears out, never gets old. It can, you know, it doesn't melt like a tape. So in, in some ways, I think that's what Udemy and some of these others are are saying the the if if you look at Udacity, they have very very um, like self driving cars. How would you like to make a self driving car? I mean, these are heavily technical things. It's not woodworking. It's not darning socks. That these are these were taught by top minds at Google and at Tesla and other places. And you have to pay a little bit more for that education. But people just want to know the thing they want to know. It's the iTunes version of education. And they're willing to pay for it, but they don't want all the extra stuff that that a university would, as I say nicely, force them to take. And uh, um, that model is, that that's a threat to us. Yeah, and we don't normally like that. That is right. Because we, in fact, think that there are 14 good songs and you should listen to all 14. Absolutely. And unless you listen to all 14 songs on the CD, you're missing um, an opportunity to expand your mind and develop an understanding that you didn't otherwise have. That's right. So we do have some of these little conflicts because we think you should have a general education and we think you should learn something about um, life sciences and physical sciences and literature and whatnot. But, so some of the things that we're going to study this semester are of a different culture than ours. That's so, right. And, and but, we may never be able to, to right. come together. No, and, and we may not want to. But, right. But we still have a lot that we can um, explore with them. And, and in addition to in addition to who we'll be visiting with this semester, um, we and, and we would encourage our listeners to be constantly on the look for what's happening because yeah. the world just keeps changing. You you mentioned um, um, as you were talking about wood. You know, I, I went down and visited a cabinet shop. Right. They. That's not the cabinet shop that my uncle. No. My uncle sawed, my uncle cut boards and put them together into cabinets. The cabinet shop I visited, I don't think they cut a single board. They put boards on a machine and the computer flipped them all over the place. Right. Tagged them and everything. It's just a different world. It is. And our world is changing. It is. um, And to preserve what we love and to... Um, embrace what we should and to resist what we think is not helpful, we need to fully, completely understand what they're doing. That's right. That's, that's critical. 
That's really important. We need to understand what everyone in our space is doing so that we can be better and uh, have better outcomes for all of our students. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. You've been listening to Solutions for Higher Education, a podcast featuring Scott L. Wyatt, the president of Southern Utah University. We'll be back soon with another podcast, and we're looking forward to the Spring 2021 series. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Solutions for Higher Education. To subscribe to this podcast, please visit www.suu.edu forward slash President's Podcast where you will find both the audio and a written transcript of today's podcast. The original music for this podcast was composed by Jack Barton, a master's degree student in music technology at SUU. For more information about Southern Utah University, please visit www.suu.edu.